Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. In October 2021, a report titled Workforce Shortages, Its Effects and Effective Related Practices was produced for the Printing Industries Alliance. Its authors are faculty members from the Jones College of Business Department of Management, Dr. Ralph Williams, Jr., an associate professor, Dr. Tim Moak, and Dr. Daniel Morell, a professor. Doctors Williams and Moak are with us on the program. Why is the printing industry experiencing high turnover? We'll find out after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU President Sidney McPhee will serve as Conference USA's representative on the NCAA Division I Board of Directors through August 2024. The Board of Directors is the top governing body for Division I, responsible for strategy and policy and overseeing legislation and management of the division. It focuses on strategic topics in college sports and their relationship to higher education. It reviews and approves policies and procedures governing the infractions program and approves an annual budget. This is the third stint on the NCAA board for McPhee, who previously served as a director from 2003 to 2007 and again from 2010 to 2013. And retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Doug Krulin made a $10,000 donation to the Charlie and Hazel Daniels Veterans and Military Family Center at MTSU on April 15th. Krulin, president and CEO of Metropolitan Nashville Airport Authority, said the gift stemmed from proceeds from a fundraising golf tournament. Krulin said every year the Airport Authority tries to raise monies for charities that are important to the success of the organization. The Daniels Center, named for Hazel and the late Charlie Daniels, is the largest and most comprehensive veterans center on any Tennessee campus. It's home to 1,100 student veterans and their family members. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Ralph and Tim, thank you both for being with us. We appreciate it. Great to be here. Your survey found that job turnover in the printing industry averaged 14%. On average, employers were unable to fill 37% of their open positions for more than a year. So to what do you attribute this disturbing trend? In my lifetime or early years, uh, you know, printing was a very popular place for uh, people to go into, and I think it's not as popular now as it as it was before. But I, I think it's also the overall macro environment. What's going on, you know, with the great resignation and and that sort of thing. So uh, it's interesting. I don't think this is in the report, Tim. You helped me. We talked about this recently, but I talked to a, a small printing company leader, fifteen employees. Very rarely do they have turnover, and they've had 50% turnover in the last two years. And you anticipated one of my questions as to whether this is more attributable to factors that are unique to the printing industry, or whether the great resignation that has come about as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic plays into this as well. I think it's a combination of both. I think printing industry, a lot of people will kind of put it in the same realm as the manufacturing world. And the manufacturing world just in general has been having a harder time filling positions. One of the things that the, the author noted in, in this article in the press release was that 
one of the individuals running one of the businesses mentioned that they're having a lot of a difficulty finding people who want to roll their sleeves up and do hard physical labor, which sometimes is involved in the printing industry. Whereas with the great resignation, you know, as it's been dubbed, people are looking for better paying jobs or looking to get out of what they're currently doing because the job market is so favorable and looking for higher paying jobs wherever they can find them. If the turnover is big, the employers might in the printing industry might be trying to find ways to keep the the savvy, knowledgeable, experienced employees they have on hand as long as they possibly can if they can't find new recruits. Exactly. And one of the things that's interesting, I saw a report recently that came out that said that right now, two-thirds of the workers who are leaving currently their jobs don't have new jobs. Mm. And part of the reason they're leaving is because of the culture that they're in and their organizations they are finding toxic cultures. And so they're at the point where they're like, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. And they don't have another job lined up. That's kind of a, a dangerous proposition. We're finding a lot of employees being in where they're basically just saying, I'm okay taking the financial hit, even if I don't have another job lined up because I don't like where I work or I can't handle the culture. Jenna, did you see the quotes in the report that talked about the, uh, lack of motivation that some folks are seeing among their workers. Some of your employers that uh, you surveyed said that uh, workers are lazy and greedy and shiftless, and they just don't want to do what's required. Y- yes. Um, now, I, I, one thing we didn't study or didn't look at was this, you know, is this regional? Maybe that's a possibility. Uh, but related to that, I'm, I'm going to a uh, a re, uh, printing industry association meeting in Destin in June, and I'm speaking uh, on motivation, on motivating employees down there. And tell you what I do, and I haven't talked to you about this, but I, I share, you know, motivational theories and say, how does this, how does this work? How does this, how does this fit? You all found in the survey that companies seem to apply the same recruiting, hiring, and HR practices to both the production jobs and the sales and administration jobs in the printing industry. Why are the employers doing that? I I think it's because it's just what they're familiar with. It's what they know. Uh, There's been a lot of advances that have been occurring within the world of recruiting, and they need to get out and branch a little bit more. But the problem is, if you've been doing it for so long, and that's all you know, and you don't know any better, how are you going to find that out? Because technology has done a lot of advances. There's been a lot of things that have changed. And these are two completely different types of jobs. One's related to sales and one's related to just more physical labor. And that's two different workforces, two different skill sets. And, and I think that was one of, the rec- one of the recommendations we made. They need to decide what skill sets work for each group. To what extent is the supply chain crisis affecting turnover? I can't say it's affecting turnover, but it's affecting our industry a great deal. We're doing these studies every quarter and looking at different things. Mm-hmm. In October, we looked at supply chain issues and also uh, recruiting and hiring. But in our industry, the paper manufacturers have scaled down their production over the last 10 years, expecting a decline in printed marketing material. And actually, the industry's held pretty good. Uh, you know, it hasn't declined like uh, some of it would. But they reduced their, their production. And at the same time, we couldn't pull in as much paper, you know, from outside our country. 
with with the COVID supply chain and the building of not having as much production, right now uh, paper is uh, is a huge issue. It's not who's got the cheapest price or can deliver it to quits quickest. It's who's got the paper. To what do you attribute this global paper shortage? Is is it an increased environmental consciousness? The paper industry was anticipating a uh, reduction in demand. They've moved their supply down over the last 10 or so years, maybe plus, and not not adding more production, not making it more proficient, shutting down some plants, uh, some mills, but also transferring mills from doing printing paper to doing packaging or toilet paper or corrugated cartons or those kinds of things. That uh, makes me think about uh, newspapers and newsprint and the impact that online newspaper reading has had on hard copy newspaper subscriptions. Uh, probably don't need as much newsprint as you used to if you're publishing a newspaper, regardless of whether it's a big urban one or a small town newspaper. That's true. The big areas that are strong in our industry is packaging. If you go to Home Depot and you buy a weed eater, it's got a label. It's been printed around that package. You buy a can of corn, it's got a a printed label around it. Uh, And then the other is direct marketing, direct mail marketing. Research is showing it, and y'all experience this, but you get an email marketing something, click, click, click. Typically, if you get something in the mail, you will look at it. We'll take a break right here. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brownback series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields, and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte Gross, WISE Advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about the workforce shortages in the printing industry with Dr. Ralph Williams and Dr. Tim Moak of the Department of Management. The survey said that uh, high schools and career fairs ended up at the bottom of the list of the most effective recruiting sources. Did that surprise you? And to what do you attribute that? It did not. And, and I think it's the investment of time it takes to do that. As we're talking about small businesses, we've had multiple large businesses contact the Jones College of Business, coming in and meeting faculty and wanting to meet students. But most of these companies that we're doing this research with are small businesses, 100 employees or far less. That leader is wearing a lot of hats. And to engage with a high school or college is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing thing. And I've mentioned that to multiple printing company leaders about engaging with high schools and, and, and colleges to try to bring in folks and it sounds good, but they don't do it because it takes so much time. And then to piggyback on what Ralph said, just for example, we just recently had our best career fair 
which is the business exchange for student talent here at the Jones College of Business. And I, I remember talking to one recruiter specifically, and he said, we were just at another institution and we didn't have any candidates we wanted to interview. But yet we come here and we have six quality candidates that we are interviewing this afternoon. It's not just going to a career fair, but it's getting the right career fair. So you have to attend multiple career fairs, which is then an even bigger investment in time. And so it's not a guarantee. And then also just depending upon that particular crop of candidates that are coming through that particular year, for some reason, maybe your university, you have more people who are interested in one particular field than another, even within the Jones College of Business. And so it really is just a, just depends unless you're like accounting where you're reaching out and hitting a whole swath of students that are all interested in accounting. If you're looking at something like printing, it's very, very niche. It's very focused where you've got to be looking for the right person. The other thing we were talking about, we're talking about, about colleges and career fairs. When you're going to high schools, trying to get people to come in to learn the, the craft, it's more than just going once. It's building a relationship with that high school. And it takes time and effort. There was a mention in the survey of personality trait tests like Myers-Briggs, but they are not see, apparently not used very much in the printing industry. Why don't the employers put too much stock in those products? And do you think that they'd be useful in the hiring process? That is a good question. I'm not sure how to answer that exactly. I think part of it goes to the point of you're looking for two different groups of people, whether it's sales or whether it's working on the manufacturing side of it. But yet, I don't know if there's been enough research done to show which personality would be good, for example, in the manufacturing in printing. And so I think one of the reasons why it's not being used much is just a lack of research supporting what would be useful in that realm. You know, and again, most of these companies do not have an HR person. So, you know, we're not bringing these tools. We're doing what we can to hire quickly. The report says that employers don't seem to care too much for quality circles and suggestion systems that would give them employee feedback. Some employers are top-down managers instead of collaborative managers. And I'm talking general now, not specific to the printing industry necessarily. There are some managers who just don't want to hear employee feedback in the world of labor management relationships. Some managers just want employees to do their jobs and shut up. It's harsh, but I've known a few. How do you get those managers in the printing industry to, uh, to change their thinking? and welcome employee suggestions, at least consider them, not necessarily to mandatorily implement them, but to think about them. There's another concept that's related to that. It's called, and we talk about it in small business, it's called founderitis, whereas the founder says it's my way, period. And he might not consciously, he or she may not consciously decide that that's what we're going to do. But since that business is his baby, and his bride, his or her, baby or bride, they control everything. I don't know that they make that decision, but that's what they do. That's an attribute in a lot of small businesses, I think, that's causing that. Do you also get a certain amount of, I've been in this business for 50 years, and by George, I know what I'm doing? Yes, a bit. 
And then there's the, the time invested in pulling people together in groups and, um, and hearing their thoughts. What sorts of conclusions did this, uh, did you come to in the survey about corporate incentive programs? And would you recommend those for your sales administrative workers in the, in the printing industry or the production work? Well, I'm, I'm very big on that. And, and um, I led three printing businesses before coming to academia. And in all three, we gave a profit bonus. And and every employee in the every every everybody in the business got a check after the end of the fiscal year in about February, and um, they were part of that. And they knew that if they drove profits, they got more of it, and it was uh, it was big. Can a, a small business of one hundred or less, like you were talking about, handle that sort of a thing? Yes, we handed checks as big as twenty five hundred dollars, three thousand dollars to employees, and it was. Uh, one of the best days of the year for me to walk around and do that, shake their hands, say here. And then from an employee standpoint, receiving a check like that, it's it's a big deal because if you feel like, or if you receive this check where you're getting part of the profits, all of a sudden you become more invested in that company because you feel like you're a part of the business. Its success is your success. And that plays a big role as far as how the culture is of the company. You feel differently about the way the company treats you because hey, this company values me enough that they're willing to give me some of the profits. I'm not just an employee, I'm a stakeholder. Not just a stakeholder, you know, in this regard, even though it's a private company, in a way, I'm a shareholder. Some managers just don't get that a happy employee is a productive employee. It's it's that simple, you know, and the, the research bears that out, does it not? Yeah, they, they tend to be more productive. They tend to be more loyal. I mean, that just in and of itself is a huge cost savings because when you lose an employee, that cost to replace that employee, that becomes a big financial burden, not to mention the institutional knowledge you're losing when that employee walks out the door. This is a, a little bit related to some of the findings that, that, that you've talked about, but one of the things that was very effective was employee recommendations for new employees. And, and we experienced that. If if you said, you know, we need to we need to hire a pressman, you got any ideas, share with them. They would come with good ideas, people who would fit us. And they were putting a little stake in the game. Because if they said this is a good employee, we need to reach out to him or her, then we bring them on. They want they want to they want us to bring on a winner. And if that person works out, is that the sort of thing that would go into consideration for those checks at the end of the year, along with uh, analytics about productivity and that kind of thing? We did it very simply. We took a percentage of our profit and divided it based on the wages throughout the company. So the, the employees that were in a higher craft positions and or work more overtime received higher bonuses. It was the profitability of the company. And we, and Tim, I've never shared this with you, but in the first company, we tried to build some very complex matrices to build that. We just went to the simple approach and it was very effective. We'll take another break here and we'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. 
MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with two professors from the Department of Management in the Jones College of Business about a survey of turnover in the printing industry, Dr. Ralph Williams, Jr. and Dr. Tim Moak. With uh, regard to the the great resignation, do you guys think just anecdotally that it has had as much of an effect on the printing industry as anything else? Or or is is it more of an overall kind of nebulous trend? I think it's overall. Tim, you may nod, but the one thing uh, that graph we included in our report that we pulled off someone's website and then related, and Tim's the HR, I'm more uh, small business management and entrepreneurial financial management. I look forward to hearing what the research says in the next five years on the effects of COVID, the workforce, and the labor market. I don't think we know much now. It'll be a few years, but I look forward to Understanding. Yeah, I, I think the great resignations, you know, as it's been dubbed or termed, whether accurately or not, I think it's having an impact in, on many businesses. It's not just the printing industry. I think most jobs, especially jobs that pay hourly, are really the ones that are getting kind of caught in this web because you have a lot of different dynamics happening. You have low unemployment. You have all these individuals who received money from the government. So you have a lot of people who have received the economic stimulus packages. And so there was a lot of you know extra money there. And so some people left because they had money there. Some people left the workforce because they needed to be at home because their kids were on Zoom and they needed to be with them. And then all of a sudden you have this big dynamic that occurred in the workforce. And all of a sudden the result of it is People started leaving the workforce or they weren't necessarily leaving the workforce. They were leaving to get better pay somewhere else. And jobs and organizations were starting to increase that pay. And so a lot of individuals were basically looking at their current situation and saying, why am I still here when I can go make you know several dollars more per hour by going working at this other company? And so it's then trickled across everybody to where everyone's looking at how much they're currently paying and thinking, well, I can't pay what I was paying. I need to increase my wages in order to get people to come even apply for the jobs. Has digital technology taken a bite out of the printing industry in terms of the types of demand there is for the services that a print shop can provide or a printing company can provide? Many companies, and we're looking at that too. Again, we're doing studies every quarter, but many companies are also dwelling or are, are getting into that market and providing more ancillary services helping companies manage their social media applications, things like that. This particular study just focused on workforce shortages, but you mentioned three areas, industry outlook, workforce shortages, and supply chain issues. Have you done a survey on the other two yet, or are those in the future? In, in October, we did. We did the associations that I work with. They wanted to do both, well, really all three things, outlook, supply chain, and workforce shortage issues. And yes, we did all three of those in October. In, in January, we did another study looking, looking at Outlook again and then looking at trying to define strategic groups in our industry. We're looking at effective 
marketing and sales management approaches. So we're, we're, we're doing a lot. Surprisingly, from an outlook standpoint, we're seeing the outlook for printing companies nationally relatively strong. The dips are in the, the upper Northeast and in the California area. And the association leaders tended to think because of the higher restrictions, the higher COVID restrictions in those regions is why those areas were a little bit less optimistic. And that was our findings are consistent with economic reports that have, that have surfaced uh, from the Fed. It's, it's interesting to see that it's pretty good. Now, hopefully we'll develop some trend analysis. You know, now that inflation is repercolating, we'll see how the outlook continues. What sorts of related research do you think uh, can be done using your uh, workforce shortages survey as a sort of a jumping off point to go into related areas and explore them? One thing that Tim and I and Dan and, and maybe somebody else will do is look at the different approaches for administrative versus sales. Look at what effective companies are doing. From this data, I think there's there's academic research possibilities. We can also then look into things such as the size of the organization and what impact that's having on how they're recruiting versus their retention. And so there, there are different areas because within the printing industry, I mean, you have the small mom and pop shops where just a few employees, but you also have the very, very large ones, which have you know, thousands of employees. And so that's one nice thing about the printing industry is that it's not just one type of we're mom and pop. It's institutional size versus the mom and pop. And the approaches that the companies might take toward uh, hiring or all aspects of the business, HR, everything would be uh, different for each, or that might be found out in future research. Exactly. So that's that's what we're going to look at teasing out, seeing if that does exist. The name of the report is Workforce Shortages, Its Effects and Effective Related Practices. It was released in October 2021. And in addition to Dr. Daniel Morell, the professors we've been talking to who worked on it are Dr. Ralph Williams, Jr., who's an associate professor, and Dr. Tim Moak, who is an assistant professor in the Department of Management, which is under the Jennings A. Jones College of Business. Ralph, Tim, thank you both for being with us on MTSU on the record. Thank you, thank, Janice. Appreciate you. what you do for Metal Tennessee. We'll be right back. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. We hope you'll be back in the saddle again with us on Saturday, April 30th, when supporters of MTSU's Ann Campbell Early Learning Center gather at the Tennessee Livestock Center on Greenland Drive for a morning of family fun for the Unique Preschool's 15th annual Saddle Up fundraiser. There'll be room for all, rain or shine, 
with hands-on activities for children of all abilities, a silent auction, and more. Tickets and information are still available at mtalumni.com slash saddle up. If you and your family can't attend, you can still donate to help the ACE Center continue its great work with children 1 to 5 years old. Connie Kasha, Director of Early Learning Programs in MTSU's College of Education, has an open invitation for the entire community to saddle up. It's really a collaborative of the MTSU community. It is open to everybody in the community, and we really encourage you to come and watch your children explore and enjoy fun activities. And we have also lots of good food. Chick-fil-A is donating, as well as Krispy Kreme and Purity Dairy. We will have cowboy hats, straw mazes, but really just bringing everybody together to support our young children in our community and at ACE in particular so that we can continue to offer the high quality program that we offer and the, the lower ratios that help support individual children. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.